when you walk with the Lord like Adam walked with Jesus, walked with the Lord God in the garden in the cool of the day, you have authority that comes on you because of proximity and relationship with Him. And out of that relationship with the Lord, His kratos, kingly authority, rubs off. The word anoint means to be smeared with oil. And the Holy Spirit, one of the symbols of the Holy Spirit, is oil. You shall be anointed with fresh oil. Psalms 92.10 Your cup runneth over. Your horn is anointed and exalted like the horn of a unicorn. God will raise you up and you'll have strength and vigor and you'll hear his voice. Isaiah 58 talks about fasting. And when we fast, which is putting off physical food, doing push-aways from the table. The push-aways from the table. And it's okay to come to the table and to feast, but there's times to push away from the table to fast. And when we do that, we deny ourselves physical food that we might receive spiritual food from him. There's an old saying, you know, we've got a, a, a good side to us and a bad side. One friend of mine said, well, it's like, you know, you got a, a good dog in you and a bad dog in you. And if you got a bad dog in you that's kind of controlling your life, you need to starve the bad dog and you got to feed the good dog. And so we have to put off the old nature, that old dog in dog nature, and put on the nature of Christ. And it comes by transformation it comes by being washed with the water of the word it comes by putting off and putting on we no longer are conformed to the pattern of this world but we're transformed through the renewing of our mind by the washing of the water of the word the bible says this it says in romans 12 1 and 2 it says my brethren present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God which is your top tier level of service no he says which is just your reasonable service he's not asking anything unreasonable in fact he identifies us presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable unto God just as a reasonable service you've not yet resisted to bloodshed he's just saying put off the old nature then you'll have the strength to be able to be persecuted for your faith if that comes. Daniel in the lion's den didn't have a problem putting off the old nature. He had strength to begin to stand against wickedness and it wasn't an issue where he was struggling in the reasonable service. He'd already overcome that. Now he was tried and tested in the fire and he was thrown in the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He watched them go in, then he eventually ended up going into the lion's den. Everybody's gonna go through a test. And the testing of your faith is worth more than silver or gold. He wants to refine us in the fire. You know, a lot of times we enjoy cake and ice cream. We have a party, we have cake and ice cream, we go to nice festival feasts, we might have Christmas or a birthday or it might be Thanksgiving, and we eat to our heart's content. But if all you ever ate was cake and ice cream, you would eventually become sick of it. 
and too much honey is sickening. But it's great to have it added unto you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things are added unto us. And I think we need to enjoy the cake and ice cream gospel. We also need to get back to the meat and potatoes. And when necessary, the pushaways with that word fast. Some people call it a dirty four-letter word, fast. I call it a beautiful word, F-A-S-T, fast. Seven-letter word, fasting. The word give is a four-letter word. The word love is a four-letter word. And the word pray is a four-letter word. Jesus says when you do these four-letter words, when you give, when you pray, and when you fast, in the Beatitudes, Matthew 5 and 6, chapter 5 and 6. So Jesus didn't say if you pray, it was a given. He didn't say if you give, it was a given. He didn't say if you fast, it was a given. A natural byproduct of growing in grace is praying, giving, and fasting. And if we'll do these things, we'll move from the outer courts to the inner courts, from the inner courts to the Holy of Holies. We'll put off the old nature, we'll put on the new, which is renewed in the knowledge of Him. All you have to do is ask Him to give you a desire. All you have to do is say, Lord, give me the will to will. And the Holy Spirit will come in and enable you. Say, Lord, quicken me according to your word. Give me a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Give me a hunger and a thirst that I might know your word. Give me a hunger and a thirst that I might do pushaways, that I might hear your voice. So Isaiah 58 is a chapter that is fasting, identified. And Isaiah 58 says, when you fast, do not do as the heathens. It's really verse 7 reading on. It's Isaiah 58 verses 1 through 11. He says, don't do as the heathen, for they want you to know their fasting so you can give them credit for how much they're sacrificing unto God. Well, they've already received their reward at that point in time. It says, but when you fast, give away your food to the hungry. Isn't that interesting? The Apostle Paul said, I was in hunger and thirst off in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 21 through 27, kind of depicts the things that he went through a day and a night in the deep. He was stoned to death, beaten with rods on three occasions. On five occasions, the Jews hit him with 39 stripes, 40 minus one, left his body bloody. He was, uh, you know, shipwrecked three times. He called it a light affliction. When we can get to the place where we go through stuff and survive and come out on the other side, we count everything else is done for the excellency that we've received in Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul had an amazing education, amazing brain, an amazing mind, but as a Pharisee of Pharisees, he counted it all as dung, cow excrement, compared to the excellency that he received in Jesus Christ. So Isaiah 58 is the chapter on fasting, and it ties in with being able to hear his voice. One day the Lord spoke to me. He said, David, he said, fasting is not required for your salvation. And I thought, oh, I've been doing some fasting. It's not required. He said, it is given to you as a tool that you might receive all the benefits of God. This one cometh forth by nothing but by prayer and fasting. Mark 9, 29, King James Version. 
What's interesting is they were trying to cast out a demon the disciples were, and these were the same disciples that were given authority to cast out demons, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. You know the basics. That's all we teach here is the basics. Christianity 101, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils, raise the dead, and that's what we do. So if you don't, if you want something bigger than that, you know, this may not be the class for you. If you want something less than that, this also may not be the class for you. They've got cake and ice cream down the street. You can go get as much of it as you want. You know, leadership is interesting. Somebody said to me, man, David, leadership's tough. And I said, yeah, leadership's tough. He goes, not everybody's going to like you when you're, you're a leader. They don't always agree with you. People will submit to your authority as long as they agree with you. The minute they don't agree with you, they don't submit to your authority anymore. You know, so, so I, I said to him, because I'd heard it from somebody else, I said to him, I said, well, you know, if you want people to like you, don't be a leader. Go sell ice cream. When was the last time a kid walked into an ice cream shop and he wasn't happy he was there? I walk into an ice cream shop, I'm happy I'm there. If I eat too much, I'm not happy the next day because there is a price to pay when you're out of balance. But my point is this. When you fast, Isaiah 58, when you fast, there are certain things that come out. Mark 9, 29, they couldn't cast out a demon even though they've been given authority to cast out demons. They brought the boy to Jesus and Jesus cast out the demon. He kept throwing him in the fire. Mark chapter 9, verse you know, 25 through 29. And they said, why couldn't we cast him out? And you were able to cast him out easily. And he said, because of your unbelief. And then he said, this kind cometh out by nothing but prayer and fasting. I always used to think, and if you read other translations, it doesn't have the, the seven-letter word or the four-letter word. They deleted it out. This kind cometh out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Other translations just say prayer. But remember, fasting is not required for your salvation. It's given to you that you might receive all the benefit. There's certain things you'll only get when you fast. There's certain things you'll only be released when you give. There are certain things that will only be released when you pray. There are certain things that will only be released when you put off the old nature. There are certain things that will only be released when you forgive somebody else. There are certain things that will only be released when you go serve the poor and honor the poor. There are certain things that will only be released when you visit the sick and those that are in prison. There are certain things that will only be released when you give unto the little one a drink of water in his name. There are certain things that will only be released when we do the stuff. Because we always reap what we sow. If we empty out of ourselves, God will fill us up. But he can't fill a filled cup. If we're full of mm, ourselves, he can't fill us up with him because we're already full of us. And Lucifer was full of himself and it cost him his kingdom as next to God in proximity because he wanted God's position. It's okay when the glory comes down on you and you're flowing in the anointing. That's great, but always point people back to the one who's the anointed one. Always point people back to the one who's the healer. It's your hands that he flowed through, but it's his hands inside your hands that did the work. We get to partner with him. We get to allow the Messiah to ride in on our shoulders for him to do the great stuff. But when they say Messiah, you know, Hosanna in the highest, never think it's for the donkey. We get a chance to be the donkey that carries the Messiah in. Don't think the palm branches are for you. They're for him. Don't get it twisted. And always point people back 
to the source and supply. I like to say, he's the water and we're the hose. We get a chance to spray people with the goodness of the love of God. But if he's not flowing, we're just a rubber hose without him. It's not the glove that's amazing that makes it come to life. It's the hand that goes into the glove. And when he arises within us, we're able to dance in the Holy Spirit like David danced before the ark of the Lord. And God showed up in those moments. Today, I'm really wanting to share with you how to hear his voice. Because we're in some interesting times right now. That if we don't know how to hear his voice, we're going to make some decisions that aren't his decisions. He always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. But if we don't know how to follow him, he said, me in Spanish. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. These guys were already fishers. They knew how to fish, but they didn't know how to fish for men. And if you follow Jesus, you'll become a fisher of men, whether it's in the marketplace. You may not be in full-time ministry. You might have an invisible pulpit in the marketplace or in the highways or the byways or on the bus or at the Starbucks, or you're walking through you know, uh, in line at, at, at a restaurant and you get a word of knowledge because you hear his voice and you follow him. And if he tells you to go say something to somebody, I was just in a service with my wife. We were in uh, Olathe, Kansas, and we were ministering a teaching called the three dimensions of power. And at the end, the Lord gave me several words of knowledge and began to call out healings and some other things. But this specific healing was not called out and uh, I asked if there was anybody that needed extra prayer, please come up and you know we'll pray. And I had some friends of mine that were very anointed ministers in Kansas City and I asked them to come out of the audience and to stand. So we had basically four people praying for, for people that were coming up. And I saw my wife ministering to a woman over on the side. My wife operates in what I refer to as healing the wounded soul or uh, reintegrating simultaneous reintegration where the fractures and the soul from traumas as she prays over them she's able by the Holy Spirit's gifting in her to see that cracked mirror or that fractured mirror come back together and people get delivered and they're healed and the oppression leaves and the depression leaves and the cutting and the promiscuity and the alcoholism and the drug addiction because every addiction is rooted in a need for love. And when we don't have that love or we feel like we're not loved or rejected, we reach out to other things as false comforters. So my wife operates in this inner healing gift and a lot of my minister friends, they say, we've never seen anybody with that level of gifting and for it to happen that fast. And so they're, they're stunned by it and I'm never without amazement when I see it happen. So I saw her ministering to this woman. I was done praying. I remember calling a young man who was backslidden out of the congregation. He actually went to somebody else for prayer because he didn't want me to pray for him because he knew that the Lord was going to allow me to read his mail. And, and so he went back and I'm like, hey, you know, come on down here. And so came out and prayed for him. And the Lord showed me some things. Anyway, he got free. So I gave him the microphone because I knew I had a singing, he has a singing gift. And so when he got free, he began to cry. And I said, sing, sing. I said, sing something joyous. I said, how do you feel? He says, I feel joy. I said, we'll sing something about joy. And I mean, he belted out this song. It just, the atmosphere changed. You know, there's an old saying. Uh, my mother used to have this in her kitchen. There's a sign, a sign that says, too many cooks may spoil the broth, 
but not in my kitchen. I like help. <laughs> right? So I always remember growing up that you know teamwork makes the dream work, and 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 so we need help. We we should get in where we fit in, but we shouldn't be a misfit. If you don't fit in that picture, go find where you fit, or wait until that puzzle piece is missing and go fill there. But don't be a square peg in a round hole or trying to fit in because that's awkward. But God has a place for you, and use your gifting to assist and honor and help. So I like to call people out and just put them right in the ministry in the moment if I know they have a gift or whatever because I think it enhances the service. The, the rainbow has multicolors in it, right? I know the enemies kind of hijacked the rainbow, but it's still God's. We just need to redeem it and bring it back, right? And so I called him up. So after he got free, I said, how do you feel? And he says, I, I feel joy. See, he'd been oppressed. He was backslidden. He'd been caught up in some things. But I knew he was born again and he loved God, but he got derailed. But God re-railed him at the, at the altar and he went to somebody else for prayer because he, he wasn't fully surrendered. He wasn't, you know, God delivers the desperate. He doesn't deliver people who aren't desperate. God always promises to deliver us from our enemies. Praise God. But he never once promised to deliver us from our buddies, our friends. And if that thing's still your buddy, he's not going to deliver you because you're not desperate. He'd do you a disservice. I remember one time I went to go cast a, a demon out of this guy. He, his name was Fraga. And he had this tumor on the back of his neck. And he came for prayer. He'd been healed of this ankle thing. He'd torn his ankle up and prayed for him. So he had an encounter with God. And he knew that God would heal him. Again, so he came to me. And so as I was getting ready to pray for him to curse that tumor, it was a lump on the back of his neck. And, we were incarcerated, like 1991. In federal prison, they give you Motrin for pain, they give you Motrin for cancer, they give you Motrin for AIDS, they give you Motrin for, Motrin is for everything, you know? It's like the cure-all. And so, uh, anyway, the Motrin wasn't seeming to touch this tumor on the back of his neck. And, and so, I went to go pray for him, it's a true story. And this is the mercy and the love of God, because God delivers the desperate. He was desperate to get delivered from the tumor. But he wasn't desperate to get delivered from another issue unrelated. But God in his mercy wanted to heal that man of both. But it is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Not the judgment of God. Not, not an angry God throwing fire brands or lightning bolts. Ah, there's another one who's not doing right to my sons. I think I'm going to lightning bolt him today. That's another God. His name's Lucifer. That's the devil. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. He's the God who shows up through the prodigal son's father who runs and he sees his son that's been in the pig pen, sees him afar off and runs to him and hugs him and restores him. That's the God of the Bible, the good God. And God is in a good mood. It's okay. God's in a good mood. He's not wringing his heads about what's going on in the world right now. He's not looking, oh man, that didn't work. I think I'd better try plan B. I better try plan C. God has everything in control. The, the God of heaven sits in the heaven and laughs at the wicked. He knows he has them in derision. He knows their day is coming. We're angry. We're upset. We're looking at, so God, what are you going to do? Why did the wicked prosper? God's like, you just wait. The iniquities of the Amorites has not yet reached full measure. When it does, when judgment falls, the, the, the wicked are not going to say that they didn't get space to repent. 
Jezebel's not going to be able to say that she didn't get space to repent. I cast her on a bed of suffering, killed her children with the plagues so that she'd have space to repent of her wickedness, but she didn't. She'll be cast out. I'm telling you, God's mercy goes up and we get tested and tried in our faith. In Daniel 7, 25, a scripture says, and the devil, Satan was given authority to wear the saints out for a season. You might feel worn out. The good news is judgment will fall and you won't have anything to do with it. And when it falls, you're not going to go, I'm glad they got judged. You're going to go, whoa, whoa, that's bad. And you're going to make, that was God. You know how I know that when judgment falls, everybody knows it was God. You know, if you're single-minded on God, you get double for your trouble. If you're double-minded with God, you get nothing for your trouble. Because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways, the book of James says in chapter 1, verse 5 through 8. Double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways and should have expects to receive 30% blessings from the Lord. No. 10% blessings from the Lord. No. Nada, nada, empanada. Zeros con avalanza. Zippo, zilch, nothing. How would you like to go through this last couple of years, be double-minded and get nothing for all the trouble you've been through? How would you like to be single-minded and remain focused and get double for your trouble? Because God gives the prisoner of hope double for their trouble when they remain single-minded. Everybody wants double for their trouble, right? So Lord, we repent for being double-minded. We're now single-minded on the sea walker, not the winds and the waves of adversity. We want double for our trouble. So you get double for your trouble when you're single-minded. That's us. That's you. Those that are double-minded should expect to receive nothing. And those that are single-minded on evil, Revelation chapter 18, Babylon fell in a day. Reward them double punishment for their iniquities. So people that have prospered in this previous season with manipulation, witchcraft, mammon, and it looks like they've done well, but they don't have the agenda of God. They're not in proximity with him. God sits in the heavens and laughs at the wicked, for he knows their day is coming. He will have them in derision. And for you who remain single-minded, and it looked like you got broke down, wore down, it looked like it was death by a thousand cuts, it looks like you were an onion peeled layer after layer with a lot of tears. Inside the onion is the sweetness of the onion. God is about to give you double for your trouble because you've remained single-minded. And though a thousand fall by your side and ten thousand by your right hand, it will not come near you. You will only see with your eyes and behold the destruction of the wicked. You will not fear the arrow that flieth by day nor the terror that cometh by night. Because you have made the Lord your rock and your salvation because you paid your vows unto the Lord. You'll call upon him in the day of trouble and he'll answer you speedily. Back to Isaiah 58. Oh, by the way, in Mark 9, 29, when they couldn't cast out the demon, they said, why couldn't we cast him out? Did we need more anointing? No. Did we need more knowledge of the word? No. Did we need a fresh mantle on us? Did we need new gifting? No. I gave you authority to cast out devils, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, and raise the dead. You have the authority. You even have the knowledge. You've been casting out demons. The reason you couldn't get this stubborn demon out was because this kind comes out only by prayer and fasting. Not the demon, but the unbelief. 
Why couldn't we cast him out? Because of your unbelief. Bam, revelation moment. You already have the authority. You already have the anointing. You already have the gifting. You already have the knowledge. The question is, do you believe you have it? Because this kind of unbelief only comes from doing pushaways. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. If you're in him and you walk in him and you live in him and in him you live and move and have your being in him and if he's in you and you're in him then you have Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27 as we're called to have boldness in the day of judgment even as he is, so are we in this present world. The same works will you do, Jesus says, that I do, even greater works will these do you because I go to the Father, John 14, 12 through 14. And as he is, so are we in this present world, 1 John 4, 17 and 18, that we might have boldness. You know, before they realized who they were, they were in a 10-day prayer meeting in the book of Acts chapter 1. Jesus says, tarry here, wait here till the Holy Spirit comes. Now, they'd already been casting out devils, healing the sick, cleansing the lepers, preaching the gospel unto the poor, raising the dead. Just a normal Christian life. It's what we teach here, the normal stuff, right? And so what happened was Jesus says, okay, now I want you to wait here, and I'm going to get you a second dose of it. Because he breathed on them, said, receive you the Holy Spirit. Did they receive? Yeah. But he says, there's more power coming. And now when you get this next level, you're going to see even greater works. So they were in a 10-day prayer meeting up in the upper room. And all of a sudden, there came the sound of a mighty rushing wind in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. There came the sound. They heard it. It was audible. The sound of a mighty rushing wind. And then they saw what appeared unto them as cloven tongues as of fire. So they heard, then they saw, and then it rested upon each one of the tongues of fire came out separated in each one of them. There was 120 in the upper room. It wasn't just the 12 disciples. It was 120. And 120 out of this, what they heard, the sound of a mighty rushing wind, what they saw, tongues of fire, and what they felt rested upon them. And then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And the word tongues or began to speak with other tongues, the word tongues, it's dialectos. They began to speak with other dialects, unknown to them as speakers, but known to the hearers. So they didn't need an interpreter for these tongues. And there's four different types of tongues. There's tongues for your personal prayer language that no man can understand, for in the spirit you speak mysteries, that you ought to pray that you might interpret, that you edify your own spirit. And it's 1 Corinthians 14. There are two types of tongues. It's tongues with interpretation, that the body of Christ might be edified. So one is for you to charge up your human spirit that you might be edified. He who speaks in an unknown tongue edifies or builds up himself. So we put our own oxygen mask on first before we go out and try to put everybody else's on, right? You gotta inhale, get edified before you go out and ministry and exhale. What happens is if you exhale too much, you run out of wind and you got nothing to say to people because it's no longer God breathed. So you might have inhaled in prayer, early in the morning and you go out and do ministry. Now you go out to do ministry and then you keep doing ministry and you keep doing ministry, you keep doing ministry, you, keep, you got nothing from God. 
you got to get back in prayer. We have to inhale, put our own oxygen mask on first before we try to go out and release that oxygen or that pneuma or that spirit onto others. And you can tell when you've run out of gas in the spirit and you're called back into the mountaintop for prayer. Jesus says, won't you tarry with me just one hour? Peter couldn't tarry with Jesus one hour, three hours in a row. He fell asleep. How many times did Peter deny Christ? Once for every hour, he fell asleep. And how did Jesus restore Peter? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. It's interesting. Peter failed to pray the four-letter word, P-R-A-Y. He failed to pray through and inhale. So when temptation comes, you want to know what happened? He fell prey to temptation. He denied Christ three times in front of a young girl. Didn't even have the faith to stand for Jesus in front of a girl who couldn't even whoop him. That's what happens when you're prayerless. Jesus says, pray that you enter not into temptation. Here's another interesting Greek revelation from the Greek. When you're in prison for 20 years, you read the Greek, you read the Hebrew, you read dental you know, toothpaste containers, memorize those, you know, you're bored. So the word pray that you enter not in temptation, into temptation, it's an interesting word. It's in a tense. It means pray. But you know where it says pray without ceasing in, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17? 18. It says, or First Timothy, I'm sorry, it's, it's in the Bible. How about that? It's in the Bible. Pray without ceasing. Now here's what's interesting. Jesus says, pray that you enter not into, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. When you pray without ceasing, you can pray when you sleep at night. And your spirit, you can pray in tongues when you sleep. People have told me, man, you pray in tongues all night long. When I was in prison, they're like, I'm, I do. And I would have dreams at night. I'd wake up refreshed, ready to go, evangelize the compound. But if you pray in tongues during the day, you'll get dreams and interpretation at night. Much prayer, much power. Little prayer, little power. No prayer, no power. Pray that you enter not into temptation, Jesus says. So the word pray there in... Uh, the, the Gospels where Jesus says, pray that you enter not into temptation. Listen to this. The word is in the Koine Greek in the present imperative tense. It's a command to do something now with a constant repeated action in the future until you get the achieved result. So Jesus didn't say, pray that you don't enter into temptation. Oh, Lord, I pray I don't enter into temptation. I pray I don't enter into temptation. Jesus says, pray have a lifestyle of prayer with me on your mind. Be single-minded on me, hearing my voice, staying in my presence. You'll be transformed into my image and likeness, and you won't have a problem with temptation because I'm in you and you're in me. We walk together. We're yoked together. I always lead you in triumphal procession in Christ Jesus. Why did Peter fall? Three times Jesus says, won't you tarry or pray with me for one hour? Three times Peter fell asleep. Three times he denied Christ. And three times Jesus in his mercy restored him. Is that helpful? Yeah. Okay, back to Fraga. So here Fraga's got the tumor on his neck. You thought I forgot, <laughs> didn't you? So here he's got this tumor on his neck. It's 1991. He'd already been healed. He had a touch from God. He knew God was real. He was a Cuban. He was one of the Marietta boat lift guys. So they sent him over, they let the prisons out and they put him on ships. So that's how they cleaned out their prisons. They sent him to Miami for us to uh, 
go ahead and take the refugees. So some of the worst of the worst I did time in prison with, murderers, you know, they, I won't even tell you some of the stuff they did when I was there. But Fraga was a pretty good guy, and uh, he just didn't know Jesus. And they're into like Santaria, Palomay Hombre. Santaria is like a form of white witchcraft that comes out of a kind of a sect of Catholicism. I'm not saying Catholics or witches or warlocks. I'm telling you is, uh, look, you could have Pentecostal charismatic witchcraft too. You know, people that prophesy instead of prophesy or they manipulate without the use of physical force. Jezebel was, you know, kind of a Pentecostal charismatic witch before Pentecost was around. So, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. So I'm not picking on Catholics. I'm just saying it comes out of that kind of vein with the saints and sacrificing jalapenos and stuff like that. Then you have the darker arts where you begin to sacrifice chickens and then eventually you work on up to babies to sacrifice babies. Here we just call it a woman's right to choose in our country. But, oh, that, I'm sorry. Did I say that? Okay. Anyway, that's another type of thing. So, uh, thank God for the recent Supreme Court ruling. Now we're going to have sheep and goat states instead of a goat nation. So the curse has been lifted off our nation. And now the states get to choose whether they want to be sheep states or goat states because there's a division that's coming into our nation right now. You'll see it happen in your life. So Fraga, I go to pray for him. And as I go to pray, I have a vision. It's as if, and you know, visions are just very interesting because they're metaphors or they're pictures, but they have a much deeper meaning. So when you have a vision, there's three components to it. Revelation, is it God? Is it the devil? Is it, you know, my own thinking? Is it too many, you know, anchovies on pizza before bed last night? You know? So you kind of got to test the spirits. Is this God? So the first thing, revelation, is it God? If so, you go to the second component, which is interpretation. What's it mean? And then the third component is application. What do we do with this? And how do we implement it and the timing of it? Okay. So you can get revelation, interpretation, and blow application and a pure prophetic word coming through the hose becomes a polluted prophetic word because we got involved or we misdirected it to the wrong person. So I have this vision and it's as if Fraga's head that I'm laying hands on is suddenly skull capped and I'm able to see like right around the brow of the head. It's like it's opened up like a coconut and inside I see three demons running around. They look like little stick men. They're not very big. They're little bitty things is the way I've shown it in the dream. And they had these eyes. The biggest thing on them were these two eyes. And they were like running around in a circle scared to death because I was getting ready to cast them out. And one was pornography, one was lust, and one was masturbation. A triple braided cord's not easily broken. A lot of times when people have demons, they, they come in you know, pairs or triplets, you know, it just is what it is. So a lot of times you got to find out what the strong man is and cast out the strong man and those under its authority leave as well. But the person needs to be healed of the woundedness or repent. So some things are generational that they inherited and God wants to give us a new DNA, the divine nature of the almighty and break off the generational curse and release the, the, the generational blessing. Other things are imposed on us because somebody violated us. It could be um, you know, abuse, it could be trauma, it could be, you know, molestation, rape, whatever. It could be victimization through 
you know, violence. You didn't do anything for that. Yet your body has been traumatized. Your soul has been traumatized. You've been terrorized or you've been rejected. That's very real. You didn't do anything to deserve it. It happened. So generational is one. And then victimization is two. And then the third type is the one that where we sin by choice or it's our volitional choice where we choose to go out and do that behavior because it fills a void or a need or at least we think it does. It could be, listen, you, you might be in the club before you get saved and after you get saved, you don't drink, chew, you don't drink, smoke or chew or go with girls who do, right? But then you become comfort food is your deal because you don't do alcohol or drugs anymore. Good for you. But now you got another issue because the root issue is never dealt with. So you go to a false comforter. Before it was booze and dancing and all this other stuff. Now you don't do that anymore, but you never got the root dealt with. And an issue unresolved evolves. It just shows up in another form. Anyway, so back to Fraga, the three demons, lust, masturbation, and pornography. And... So I see this and I go to cast out these demons because God wouldn't have showed them to me if he didn't want me to cast them out. Doesn't that make sense? What he reveals, he wants to heal. The problem is God did want to heal that and that's why he revealed it, but my timing was way off. Fraga wanted to get this thing healed, but he wasn't ready in God's mercy. So here's what happened. I went to go cast these demons out and what I thought was a demon grabbed my tongue. I said, in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you spirit of must, lust, masturbation, and pornography, I command you to, and it's like something stopped my tongue. And I'm like, man, this is a strong demon. I've never had that happen before. So I went to go do it a second time, and the same thing happened. I'm like, Lord, how can this demon? He goes, that's not the devil, it's me. And I said, you're stopping me from casting out these demons. And he says, yes, because he's not ready yet. If you were to cast them out now, you would be doing him a disservice because the demons would only come back with seven more wicked than themselves. Matthew 12, 42 through 45. And the latter state of this man would be far worse than the former. Curse the tumor. And within seven days, he'll be completely healed. Tell him, I love him. It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, Romans 2.4. This jacked my theology. It messed me up because God is so good that he will look beyond one fault, meet our need, and eventually his goodness will fill us because all addictions are rooted in a need for love. And he'll touch us with his love, and then once we get a taste of it, then we can allow it to creep into other areas of our life, and we can trade his love for the addiction. We can give up our addiction and get his love, and that's really what we're seeking for anyway, instead of the false comforters. So I cursed the tumor. I commanded it to shrink, and it like shrunk in my hand to about uh, two-thirds of the size. It just like right underneath my hand. It just bloop. And all of a sudden, I'm like, oh. And the pain started to go away. And the Lord says, tell him he'll be completely healed within three days, just like Jesus in the Scriptures cursed the fig tree. The same type of thing happened. It withered up from the roots. So I told him that. I said, you can throw out your miracle pills of Motrin. I said, Jesus has done the work. And every plant that's not been plant, planted by my Heavenly Father, Jesus said, will be rooted up. So, so he did that. And so I told him, I said, Fraga, I said, the other issue, when you're ready, God wants to deal with that and, and deliver you in love instead of judgment. 
See, we, we have a tendency to see somebody's sin instead of going into intercession. We want to judge them or call somebody else to call it intercessory prayer to tell what we'd seen about them. It's, it's not prayer. It's not intercession. It's called gossip. And, you know, it could be backbiting and division and strife and tail-bearing, and we call it intercession. Oh, wow. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Tell the truth, shame the devil. That's why when people call me on the phone to tell me they've got this or that, I'm like, oh, wow, well, let's pray for them. Have you called them about this yet? No, I want to call you. Okay, well, let's do this. Let's go ahead and pray for them because Jesus is the intercessor. The devil's the accuser of the brethren. Let's go ahead and stay in the ministry of Jesus, the intercessor, because you know that comes with eternal reward. So does hanging out with the other guy. You know. So anyway, it was about three months later. And by the way, Fraga got healed. It went away. It was actually gone within like three days. But I guess whatever was underneath, because I believe the word of the Lord was within seven days. But it was gone. He couldn't. He was fine. He was out playing handball. He was completely healed. He, you know, threw away his Motrin. He gave him back. He threw him back to the doctor because I don't need this. Jesus healed me. And so, but remember, he got healed while he, we were yet still sinners. Christ died for us. And how God was in Christ reconciling the world back unto Himself, and not imputing or holding their trespasses or sins against them, even so He's committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. So even as God was in Christ reconciling the world back. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. Woman, you know, we're your accusers. Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more lest the worst thing come upon you. We need to have the heart for the long game to restore such a one in a spirit of meekness lest we are too are tempted. And this is how you can tell you've been delivered. If you've been delivered, you'll have mercy on somebody who's still bound. If you're in abstinence, you're abstaining, but you're still bound, you have judgment toward The only time we look down upon somebody is when we're bending over to help pick them up. And we have to remember this. We didn't save ourselves. We didn't deliver ourselves. It was by his mercy and grace we got delivered. So even freely we've received, freely we shall give. So anyway, it was three months later, I was with my brother, RD, six foot three, RD, big guy. We'd get into the prayer closet. Well, I'd say it was a mop closet. It stank because dirty mops, but it was our prayer room, you know, because nobody else wanted to go in there. So we would go in there and uh, we would pray. We'd spend like nine o'clock till about 9.45 every night. I'd pray in tongues and then he'd pray in English and then he'd pray, I'd pray in English and he'd pray in tongues. We'd bring things back and forth and seal them. And man, we would go to bed after the 10 o'clock count. They have 10 o'clock count, go to bed. Next day, we'd be evangelized. So we got that prayer time in where two or three are gathered. There we are in the midst. So here I am, and I said, hey, the Holy Spirit RD told me we're supposed to go down to the yard. It was about a half a mile walk, and it was incredibly cold out. It was probably, you know, 10 degrees. And it was windy. We were in Colorado at the Federal Correctional Institution there in Inglewood, Colorado. Memories from the corners of my mind. So God, thank you for delivering me. I wouldn't have joy in that. And uh, so he says, man, I'm not walking down there. It's cold and we're going to get stuck there for an hour because you have to wait and control movements where the doors are only open for 10 minutes on the hour. So like if it's 1 o'clock 
if it's like if it's like 12:50, you've got 10 minutes to get to that location. Then they lock you in for an hour, and at 1:50, they open it up so you have 10 minutes to go to another part of the compound. And this was a long walk to all the way to the yard. So we get down there. It's snowing. The wind is blowing, and there's nobody on the yard but me and RD. And it's a half mile walking track. And he's like, "Well." I think you missed it. And people are like leaving, trying to get out the door. They're like, man, it's too cold here. Because it had just dropped like 20 degrees within the hour. People couldn't wait to get out as we were getting out. They said, uh, so all of a sudden I look all the way across and there's a guy sitting at a picnic table next to the tennis court. And the tennis courts, just so you know, tennis courts in federal prison, it's not like club fed. They got like cracks in the court. And when you hit the ball, you're getting ready to hit it back, it hits a crack and it bounces this way or that way. So, you know, I don't think it's like that. And this was not club fed, it was, it was a medium level facility. And so we go down there and Fraga's sitting there and he's disgusted with himself because he's been shamed. His sin has caught up with him, it's become public. He had such a bad issue. I'm not gonna go into details about how bad his issue was, but he was kicked away from a job. He was fired from a job for inappropriate behavior alone with his issue and while working in the kitchen. I'll just leave it at that. That's not cool, okay? So now he's lost his job. He's shamed. Everybody on the compound knows his issue. Before it was a little laughable, but now when they realize this is my dining hall, that was not cool. So now he's an outcast and now his sin has made him sad. And it's no longer his buddy. It's now his enemy. And as we went down, I said to him, well, what's going on? He says, oh, no, no good, David, no good. Malo, muy malo, very bad. And I said to him, I said, I heard. And he's like, I said, do you want to be free? Is this thing your enemy yet? Su enemigo. And he's like, yeah, he was like, you know, tearing up. He says, I want to be free. Dame libertad en Cristo. I want liberty in Christ. I, I want to be free. So we prayed for him, and those three spirits of lust, masturbation, and pornography came out. And he got filled with the Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, and whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And he was free from that moment forward. But see, he got healed of an ankle, and it was the first touch of God, but he didn't get saved. Then he knew the power of God. Then God healed him of a tumor in the neck six months later, and he did get saved, but he didn't get delivered. You can be born again and not be delivered. Your name can be in the Lamb's Book of Life and still not be delivered. In fact, you can go to heaven but have hell on earth if you want. Or you can have like the days of heaven and on earth even if you're going through hell. You'll have joy in the midst of the storm. And so that was a lesson for me on the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. A lesson for me that you don't have to repent of everything for God to do miracles in your life. But those miracles, those healings, those deliverances, those goodness of God makes you want more of God. And then you're ready to be free. So when we see other people that are struggling, ask the Lord to give you his perspective on it. Because he's in a good mood. Ask him to give you his perspective on it. Because he loves people just the way they are but he loves them way too much to leave them in their current condition. And we grow from grace to grace, faith to faith, and glory to glory as he causes the path to grow brighter and brighter, and we get stronger and stronger 
in the process. And even as God was in Christ reconciling the world back unto himself, not holding their sins against him. While we were yet still sinner, Christ died for us. Even now, Christ is in us and has committed unto us the same ministry. We don't need to improve on it. It works just the way Jesus did it. We don't need to show him our latest gimmick. Just him alone is sufficient because he's the only deliverer. And if you can get him delivered without Jesus, they'll be bound next week with seven more wicked than themselves. So when we hear the voice of God, we'll know. So here we are. We're finishing up this service. We're in Olathe, Kansas. You thought I forgot about that one too. My wife's ministering to this woman. And all of a sudden, the woman starts to go back to her seat and a friend of mine says, no, no, go up and have him pray for you. So she came up and I don't know this woman. And I said, what's your situation? She said, uh, the Lord told me, look her in the eyes and tell her you will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. So I looked at her and I said, Lord told me to tell you, you will not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. When I said that to her, she looked at me and she's like, okay. And the Lord says, say it again. So I looked at her, I said, look at me. You shall not die, but you will live and declare the works of the Lord. And I saw it go in. So the first time it went through the body, the second time it went into the soul. And then the third time I looked at her, I said, you shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And our eyes met and it went in spirit to spirit. And I said, what's your situation? And she told me she had this blood clot, like a blood worm all the way from her knee, all the way up and it had crept up into her neck and they didn't expect her to live that long. And so, I said, well, you will not die, but live, let's pray. So we prayed and broke that thing. Now I wanna share something with you. Had my wife not done the prayer work on the emotional stuff and the traumas, because we talked afterward, and my wife was inspired by the Holy Spirit, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and we found out later that the woman talked to a friend of ours, is that Joanna, read my mail. Everything that came out of her mouth was deadly. How does she know those things? And when David prayed, I felt the power of God come. So she went back to the doctor and the doctor says, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This thing's dissolving. The, your, the medication we're giving you is working on you, but none of the other people in the group that have similar issues and yours is dissolving. We want to put you in a special study about the medication. She said, it's not the medication, it's Jesus. Jesus is healing me. So my point is this. Don't just go after the physical ailment. Go after the emotional trauma. Go after whether it came in generationally. Go after whether it came in through victimization. Go after whether a person reached out to it volitionally by their choice. And stop praying symptoms only. Start to ask the Lord to show you what's beneath the surface. Get the word of knowledge. Get the key that unlocks the door for their healing. I've got a book called There's a Spiritual Key for Every Healing. A, there is a spiritual key for every healing. You get it on Amazon or our website, virtualchurchmedia.com. You get this, seven different kinds of voices. The Lord gave me this book. Wrote this in like five days. Sat at the computer, 
and wrote it in five days. It just came out. It's also got a bonus section, hearing God's voice 25 different ways. If you really want to hear his voice, seek him and do some push-aways with the four-letter and seven-letter words. Fast and fasting. Give, giving. Pray, praying. When you give, when you pray, when you fast. Because all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. The gifts of the Spirit are always moving. We're just not in the Spirit to move in them. So we have to climb up in the Spirit through prayer, through fasting, through sacrificial giving, through showing mercy unto the poor, volunteering our time. You know, we have a prison ministry. Here's a, here, I'll give you an example. Off screen, off screen. There we go. This is what we love to do. Here's a Bible. This is a sample of what we give to the prisoners. We're getting ready to mail in Bibles to the prisoners. We have all different types. NIVs, King James, New King James. We have different types of study Bibles. Um, We've got big print, large print, medium print. we got, we got probably, I don't know, 100 Bibles sitting here we're getting ready to mail into the prisons. Here's another one. These are not small Bibles. This is the trusty 66 between two fine Corinthian leather covers or bonded leather covers or imitation leather covers, which actually are sturdy enough now with new technology to where they actually last for years and years and years. So we've been doing this through Heart of America Prison Ministries for 25 years. I gave away my first Bible. The Holy Spirit told me, um, give away your Bible to this person. I just got the Bible. I said, yeah, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou has not in mind the things of men, God, but of men. You know, the Bible says, if you got two, get one to the man who has none. And I've only got one. I'm not giving up my Bible. I'm not getting tricked. And the Holy Spirit said to me, give and more will be provided. And so I did. I gave it to this uh, Hispanic inmate. Didn't even know if he spoke English. He did. He was quite fluent. He went into his room, began to read the Bible. And uh, 3 o'clock in the morning, they took him out. I never saw him again. That's where the first Bible went. And this guy began to cry because I, the Lord said, tell him he's been forgiven. I didn't even know if he was a Christian. Turns out he was a backslidden Christian. He didn't think he could be forgiven because he had backslid. So here he gets the Word of God and the Word. God wants to know you've been forgiven. And it set him free and it brought it. Because it's the goodness of God. That leads men to repentance. And that was like a, a $60 bonded leather Greek Hebrew study key Bible from Spyro Sodiates. I love that Bible. Matter of fact, it's, you know, I, I have a different version of it. Somebody finally gave me one, said one to keep because I just kept giving them Bibles away after that. But that's how Heart of America Prison Ministry was conceived, heartprisonministries.org. And we've been able to provide with donations from different people over the years. We can donate online and help change a life one Bible at a time. HeartPrisonMinistries.org. And that was 10,000 Bibles ago. The other day, uh, I've got a book called uh, Jet Ride to Hell Journey to Freedom, JetRideBook.com. And we donated 15,000 copies of that book to the prisons several years ago. And so the average book in prison, like 20 prisoners will read a book. So 15,000 times. So about 300,000 people have read that book. Well, a lot of civilians have read it too, because when I sent them in, I, I did overages, and you know we sell them, and you can buy it on Amazon, and we sometimes give buy our books away. But long story short, um, matter of fact, yeah, there's one right there. 
So here you go. Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom. 370 pages. So a lot of times people don't have time to read a book. But if they're hungry, they have time to read it. So I get this call the other day while I'm in Kansas City, we're out ministering, and I get a call, and it's on our ministry line, there's a voice message, must have come in while I was on the plane or something, and the guy says, I've been trying to donate to your ministry since December of last year. I'm thinking, my gosh, that's a long time to try to donate and not to be able to execute. What are we doing wrong? So I call the person back, and it's a doctor, and he said, a friend of mine gave me your book, Jet Ride to Hell, Journey to Freedom. And they gave it to me in October of last year. And I read every word of all 370 pages. And I got born again. He said I was a humanist. You know, I just believe in the goodness of man and this and that. If you believe in the goodness of man without the born again experience, look around. There's not enough goodness to swallow up this. There needs to be a sin eater by the blood of Jesus, and his name is Jesus. Anyway, he said, I got on fire for God, he says, and uh, a lot of my patients were praying for me, and one of them gave me a Bible. He said, I want to donate, and I just want to make sure I'm going to the right site. And so anyway, I said to him, I said, well, okay, well, you know, you're at the right site. You can donate there. But I want to make a sizable donation. I said, well, you know, what, what is sizable thing to you? Because everybody's numbers are different. And he said, um, he said, 10,000. I said, okay, that's, that's pretty sizable. I said, uh, let's do that by check so we don't have to pay merchant processing fees because we'll be able to buy another 10 Bibles at you know, 30 bucks a piece. And so that check arrived when I got back here. So we've already bought 50, we're gonna buy 500 Bibles. And as you know, we've been mailing Bibles from this facility because we were graciously you know, granted access to this facility by the same person that gave this book to that individual that resulted from October, November, December, like a nine month birthing process before that money came in. And now we're gonna be able to change lives one Bible at a time behind bars through Heart of America Prison Ministries because somebody got a book that the Holy Spirit used to change their life. And 500 prisoners are gonna get Bibles. And so we've got the raw cost of Bibles is taken care of there, but we need shipping costs. They cost about $8 a Bible to get one of these big boys in. Not the little bitty, you know, dollar store Bibles, but, you know, the $50 to $80, you know, cherished Bibles. And I got to share this with you. When I got my Bible in prison, a former prisoner had sent me the Bible. He actually helped lead me to Christ. He got healed of five compression fractures and three blown discs. The Lord had healed him graciously in response to my prayer when I wasn't even saved in front of a chiropractor. It's a true story. And it was the goodness of God that leads men to repent. I didn't get saved for like two or three days later. And God had healed me of something. But he got out and he sent me a Thompson chain red letter study Bible. And at mail call, I got fronted out in front of all the prisoners that I was a Christian. Herobedian 27530-004, you got mail. And he hands me back this Bible. And everybody's like, oh, Herobedian's on the God Squad, huh? <laughs> so I go, I go back, I go back to my prison cell, and a prisoner shows up and he says, Do you know what you have there? I go, it's a Bible. He says, 
That's a Thompson chain. Reference Bible, red letter. And I'm like, well, what is a Thompson chain? So this guy gets fronted off because he's a secret Christian studying on his own, doesn't go to chapel services because he doesn't want to be around the hypocrites. I finally told him, I said, well, you know, you're not coming to chapel service because there are too many hypocrites there. That means the hypocrite might be closer to God than you are. He didn't like that. And I said to him, I said, well, I said, you know, if, if you don't come to, why don't you come to church anyway? I know there's hypocrites over at the church, but come anyway. I said, one more won't hurt. <laughs> anyway, he finally ended up coming to church and he was a great guy, but he actually showed me how to use the gift that God gave me on references and studies and doing the chain back and forth with the other verses that tie in here and there because the Bible really is 66 books. 39 Old Testament and 27 New, 66 total. But the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. And the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. So we need the B-I-B-L-E, the basic instructions before leaving earth. But that's why we send in Bibles, study Bibles, first quality study Bibles. I bought some bonded leather this week. I bought some imitation leather, which are like leather. You can't even really tell them apart when you feel them because of the technology they have now. When we buy these Bibles, our raw cost is around $20 is amortized. Some cost us 12, some cost us 24, some cost us 18. But by the time we get them in our hands to send them to the prisoners, it's about $20. And then we have about $8 that we spend between shipping, packaging, and we pay our volunteers in pizza. Right? Pizza? And, help it. and it's good pizza. We don't play around. We put in good quality Bibles, and we, we pay our volunteers with good quality pizza. And everybody loves that pizza. That is the reward. So uh, there we go with there. And one final thing before we close. We are getting ready right now. We're sending our evangelist, Israel Agre. You can go to our website on virtualchurchmedia.com. Click on Africa Crusades. So we help fund crusades in Nigeria, West Africa, and the rural areas where the average income is $300 to $500 a year. No running water, no electricity. A lot of the people there... Um, are bound in different types of witchcraft and this and that. They haven't heard the gospel in 30 or 40 years. There's no preachers that will go there. Human sacrifices sometimes take place. And, uh, and so it's pretty typical. And our evangelist goes in with his team of 30. They'll go on a fast for three days, seven days, 21 days, 30 days, sometimes 40 days until the power of the enemy is broken through prayer and their faith level is up and then they'll walk into that area and then people will start coming to Christ. The book of Acts will be on full display with just the basics. They heal the sick, they cast out devils, they cleanse the lepers, they raise the dead. And uh, anyway, so he's going in. So we're funded for the crusade. What happened is in Italy village, about 360 miles outside of the capital city of Lagos, uh, about 20,000 came to Jesus in the recent crusade and then we bought four acres of land and we were going to fence it then we didn't have water for the cement and joanna my wife had a vision where two angels came down with these staffs and they hit the ground and water came up so we told our, our evangelist israel agre what we'd seen and he says oh he says well let's go ahead and dig down and so we told him take the fence money and dig down so they dug down got water they hit 798 feet down and it took them about two weeks, torrential rains and this and that. Finally, water comes up, 34 degree fresh water. It's amazing. 
And so now the village, which has never had water before, has fresh water. And we have the generator that pumps it up. So another thousand came to Jesus because of the miracle of the water. They caught the revelation. You know, different people get revelations of who Jesus is in different ways. If Jesus restored your marriage, you know him as the marriage restorer. If he healed your body, you know him as the healer. If he delivered you from demons, you know he's the deliverer. And when he provides water for you, you don't have to walk three miles round trip. He's the living water. And they came up, we now know Jesus is the living water. He's the one that provides. So anyway, what happens is there's 55 villages around this key village where we're building this ministry center on this four acres that we purchased. And now it has water. And so there's 2.1 million people in those surrounding villages where also human sacrifices have been done. And so the witch doctor in that city got saved. And so that ended. And the other one hung himself. Um, you know. Anyway, it is what it is. Judas hung himself. Biblical. And so what happened was they have heard in the other villages about this Jesus. They want this Jesus. So 3,000 of them this weekend and next week are coming from the other village. They're walking from one village to the other to hear the gospel. So we're sending our team of 30, cost us about three grand or whatever, to send them there. And now we want to buy food. So if you want to donate for food, it, we're going to bring rice like we normally do, beans, half an onion. We put them in one kilo bags. And so they buy rice in like 100 pound bags. They take them on the transportation. But literally, this is how it happens. It, it's about a dollar per soul one is the way we're able to do it. It's kind of crazy numbers. So for the price of like a Starbucks coffee, triple macchiato with extra heavy whip caramel, um, less tip, you can probably win five souls. So think about that. We don't really take up offerings on Wednesday nights here, but I want to take up an offering for Africa because we're fully funded, but I want to bring them food because when you bring them food, more show up. Because remember, they make 300 to $500 a year but food's not cheaper so they work in the grounds and they work and they you know they, they get vegetables and this and that and some chickens but it will be life changing and that's how we won the 21,000 souls to Christ was we started with food people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care then of course you know the gospel went forth and signs and wonders and the power encounters and the witch doctors then tried to do the dark arts against Israel and did that, bounced off the shield of faith. They were struck with strokes, and then seven days later, anyway, that's that's more of the gospel, but that's a normal Christian life in the front lines of evangelism in third world countries where you do the basics, where you heal the sick, you cast out devils, you cleanse the lepers, and you raise the dead. Anyway, I'm David Herobedian, and this is my lovely wife, Joanna. She's saying goodbye as well. And uh, we are the Herobedians, virtualchurchmedia.com. We love you with the love of God. And remember this, God loves you just the way you are. But he loves you way too much to leave you in your current condition. <laughs> Call upon him and he will deliver you. And remember this, when you're desperate, call on him. He'll deliver you. I'm going to pray with you. Father, I pray for those who are desperate right now that you would root up, pull down, overthrow, and destroy and as the Holy Spirit is highlighting that besetting sin to you right now, he's highlighting it. All you have to do is say, you know, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. 
I declare that thing's no longer my buddy. It's no longer my friend. I no longer want to play with it. I want to be delivered from it. Lord, come in and set me free. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. I declare you delivered. I break off tormenting dreams. I break off the succubus spirit that's been visiting you in the night. I break off pornography in the name of Jesus and the root cause of it. I command that thing to root up and to come out of you completely. And I declare and decree freedom, freedom and freedom by the love of God. And I thank you, Father God, for setting them free. Even as you set me free in my journey, piece by piece, you love me just the way I was, but you love me way too much to leave me in my condition. So, Father, I thank you for carrying them down this journey to freedom, layer by layer, some of it instant, and some of it in a process. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you've never accepted Jesus, all you have to do is say, Jesus, I give you my life. I believe you died on the cross. You were hung up for my hang-ups, and I've got plenty of them. Deliver me. Come into my heart. Make me new. I believe you were died on the cross. You were born, placed in the tomb, and on the third day you were raised from the dead. I believe you're my Savior. I accept your salvation by faith in you. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Give me a hunger and a thirst for the Word. For those that want to rededicate, just say, Lord, I give it all. I give my life back to you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can leave a comment. You can email us at info at virtual, info at virtualchurchmedia.com. We'll send you some materials. We love you. We'll talk with you next week. God bless you.